Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we get to the end of another week. And they keep bringing that up. We're just ticking them off, Frank. We're trying to pass the weeks. And every day or every week that we get through, uh, seems like hopefully one week closer to things feeling a little bit more normal in the world. But uh, we have still got some questions to get through today. This mailbag, uh, we, haven't, we haven't needed to stretch it out. We had so many great questions that we were able to get through uh, two weeks of this. So today will be the last day. Uh, you, you'll hear during this podcast, there's a couple of questions there in regards to the 2001 uh, Bucks. Uh, I'll address that at the end of the podcast. But uh, Frank, we may as well jump straight into it. This is really the last question that we have uh, related to this year's Bucks. We spoke about the rotation a, a lot through the year. But Jake Reese asked whether... Uh, we believe Bud would stay under a 10-man rotation for the playoffs. Uh, he's named some players. He says Hill, DiVincenzo, Corva, uh, Marvin Williams, and Lopez all seem like locks for the playoff rotation. Um, I, I don't really see any disagreement with that. Obviously, health comes into it, but I, I would anticipate that uh, Bud was going to be a guy that was going to run a deep rotation. We spoke all year about the, the minutes of the starters and how he was able to keep them down. But, uh, you know, we saw last year, there was times where you would have liked to see the key guys play more, even though uh, they did have a, a huge step up. Giannis was up in the high thirties during the Eastern conference finals, but uh, the key players for the other teams were in the forties. And, and that, that was something that was always going to be a bit of a concern. Yeah. And I, I mean, Again, there's two ways of looking at it. You know, the, the glass half full is that the Bucks have just a lot of guys who are NBA caliber rotation players and guys who have been able to fit into uh, the system and, and play at, at a reasonably high level. Now, um, you know, I think certain certainly some guys like 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 Rolo, I think um, night to night, you know, I mean, we see him some nights play some first half minutes and then sometimes he hasn't even played it all in the second half if teams are going smaller and there isn't really a matchup that they like. So, uh, you know, I think certainly Rolo is a guy who will be more matchup dependent. You know, if you're playing the Sixers, Rolo is going to play a lot of minutes every night, right? Um, if you're playing a team that wants to, to go small uh, and kind of challenge you uh, to, to kind of match them, uh, then I don't know. Then you may not, you know, you may not really find minutes for them, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Like if you're in a uh, finals against the Clippers, for instance, like do you – do you see a lot of Robin Lopez? I don't know, right? Um, you know, if uh, Boston, I don't know. I mean, he, there, he's kind of a that's another team that maybe the matchups wouldn't be, you know, necessarily particularly clear on, or um, you know, Toronto as well, depending on on things there. I mean, if Marcus Sold's the only real, truly kind of traditional big man, he's starting in those in that series. Like, are you, you know, finding a lot of minutes for Rolo? I don't know. It's kind of tough to say, but um, but yeah, it, it's sort of one of those things. I mean, I think one thing we did see. You know, Sterling Brown played in the first two rounds um, of last year's playoffs, and then he really 
kind of went by the wayside in that Boston series and you know, Coniston and, and Hill really kind of stepped up. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's probably going to come down to just, you know, are some of these kind of more peripheral rotation guys, are they, you know, doing anything they can to earn minutes or um, if they're not playing at a high level, I mean, like Ursan, for instance, you know, if Ursan, you know, gets some minutes in a kind of key series or maybe the, the matchups aren't obvious anyway, and he struggles, then you just may not see Ursan, right? Which is kind of crazy to say because certainly, yeah. you know, two months ago we, we would have bet on Ursan probably needing to play a pretty real role in any playoff series just because of how much we had seen him. So, um, yeah, it's kind of those things that, you know, if he goes to a short rotation, it's probably going to be because um, some of these guys that maybe he wants to try to find minutes for uh, or, or he'd be open to finding minutes for just aren't performing or the matchups are just really not working against in, in the Bucks' favor. So I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm okay with going to like a nine man rotation even. Um, but, you know, as you said, sort of history suggests obviously Bud is, is the kind of coach who, you know, if anybody's going to want to play, more you know default to playing uh, more uh, more guys than fewer guys um you know he's kind of the the obvious guy to do that although um you know we should point out in the um in the game six last year he only played eight guys against the raptors he only played obviously the starting five and then hill Ilyasova, Connaughton, um and look at the bench tony snell nicola meritich dj wilson sterling brown those guys didn't play at all so you know, as much as it feels like Bud will typically, you know, go with, with that deep bench, um, I don't know. You know, it, it, history suggests may, maybe not. I mean, the game before that, uh, they played uh, only 10 guys and Sterling Brown, Brown played three minutes. So they actually tightened up the rotation a fair bit during that Eastern Conference Finals. But again, unfortunately, I think a lot of that was probably because he was running out of guys he could trust. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that that was the only thing I was going to point to that. I mean, Miritich virtually played himself uh, off the floor. It was interesting with Tony Snow. I remember he was coming back from injury. He had that uh, that really bad ankle sprain, I believe it was, and missed a, a stretch of time and, and just really never got back into the rotation and then was still in Brown. Obviously, that sort of coincided with, with Brogdon coming back, but, but he was really struggling to shoot the ball uh, through the playoffs as well. And I, I think you're right. I mean, that game six came down to, well, all of a sudden from nowhere, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is the season right here. I can't have five minutes of Sterling Brown um, out there if, if I can't trust him. I can't have uh, Miritich going 0 for 5 from 3 in two minutes. And, and in, in the end, uh, he cut that rotation right back. One last thing on Lopez. It's interesting. Uh, I think the first sign of this we saw, unless, I'm, unless my memory is wrong here, the, the game against Miami, uh, late in the season was, I, I think, maybe the only time he got a DMP uh, coach's decision where the Bucks uh, obviously lost that game pretty badly, but um, there was a small lineup, and obviously you played Bam at the five for long stretches with the Heat, and then maybe a guy like o- Olenek, that was, uh, Olenek, that was an interesting um, situation to see where he didn't play because prior to that, Lopez really played in every game outside of those few games he missed when he was ill. If Remember, he didn't go... Uh, on the on the trip to Paris, so yeah, that's an interesting point about Lopez and and even a guy like Pat Connaughton has become or became a, a guy that it felt like it was more situational when he would play. If the Bucks needed a burst of energy, he was a guy that they brought in there. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the 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 thing that happened 
you know, with the season obviously being suspended, but the bad timing of all that was Kyle Corver played, uh, you know, his best game for the season by a, a long stretch in that game against Denver, the last game uh, that, that the Bucks played. We had a couple quick questions. This was about Australia. Grand Marshal Tito asked, who is the best city in Australia to visit as an American? I'm always going to say Melbourne. People will say that I'm biased, but, uh, you know, obviously not right now, but Melbourne always gets all the big events, whether they're the, uh, the, the food events, the festivals, the sports, uh, the restaurants in Melbourne. I say this all the time. I've lived here my whole life, and there's absolutely no chance I can possibly get to every restaurant they have. Uh, I mentioned this before. Kevin Arnovitz with ESPN comes through Milwaukee from time to time, and he's a notorious foodie. He loves food. He, he basically bases his travel um, around each city and works his schedule around what restaurants he can get to. Uh, he spent some time in Melbourne in November, and he said that, that Melbourne was a, a hidden gem. He said he can't believe that people don't talk about it more. Uh, the food was incredible. He had, a, he had a great time, which for me, a little bit of justification for my bias uh, to Melbourne. But some people will argue Sydney, but. Sydney's trash. Don't worry about it. And then, uh, well, also as you as you as you were ripping off like all the the sporting events, I was like, are really like the uh, the 2000 Olympics that were in? <laughs> oh, Sydney, not Melbourne. It's true, but that's because you burnt. No, well, that's that's true, but it's because we felt bad. Melbourne already had the Olympics in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, we've already been there. We've been there. Spread done the that. love. Yeah, just like having. So is is Perth going to get the next one? Is Perth the third? No. The third? No. What's what else? Brisbane? What 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 else is big in in Australia? Oh, Perth is a big city. Um, I I just doubt that they would have the. Uh, I doubt they would have the Olympics. It's just so far away from everything. And um, yeah, you know, with an event like the Olympics, the the beauty about Sydney is they can have events in all the suburbs and and similar to to Melbourne. But yeah, Brisbane's a big city, um, and Perth. But yeah, Perth is just so far away i mean it takes me five hours to to fly to perth i know sometimes it's uh you know people sort of underestimate or or don't realize how big australia is but uh for me to fly from one coast to the other is yeah it's a five six hour flight so i mean it's it's not dissimilar from flying you know from new york to to la or or whatever it may be so it's a big place but perth is, is a long way away and speaking about airports kieran curtis asked is melbourne avalon airport the smallest ever airport will i get home now uh he, he asked this question a few weeks ago so uh hopefully you did get home kieran and hopefully you are safe but avalon airport it says melbourne avalon airport but it's really geelong uh it's about five minutes from where i'm from where i live there's hardly any flights that come out of this airport and it's it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen i'm not even sure if there's any security at this airport uh i don't think they really care what goes on but i flew into avalon a couple of weeks ago when I got home and uh, I still made it safely and I'm home now. So hopefully you did get back and hopefully you enjoyed uh, Melbourne. But uh, Frank, did, I mean, are you ever, it would business, is there any chance that business would take you to Australia or do you have any burning desire to get out of here? Um, I would definitely love to go to Australia at some point in my life. Um, you know, I think part of the biggest challenge is, you know, I feel like if you're going to go, you got to go for like two weeks, yeah. right? And you can't just like do like a, week long thing because you'll lose like half of it to travel and jet lag and, and all that. So, um, so I would certainly love to do it at some point. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know, just, just the idea of doing it is just kind of like, Oh man, you know, it, it's, it's a, obviously just a huge kind of scheduling thing. And I've never, I mean, I've only known you for like a little over a year. So, um, I mean, I've never had any 
I haven't never, I've never known anybody who lived in Australia that I would be like, Oh, Hey, what's going on in Australia? When should <laughs> I visit? You know, come yeah. pick me up at the airport or like hang out with me for an interview. <laughs> like I've never had anybody that kind of motivated me to, to actually go to Australia either. So, um, I don't know. And now, you know, I have a two year old. So, I mean, Jesus, like, I don't even know. I, I can't even like think about the logistics involved because I would, I mean, I'm not going to leave her with, you know, my mother for two weeks or something like that. So, um, yeah, unless I'm, unless I get to the point where I'm willing to get on a flight with my child for how, what's the total flight time to like, how, when do you, like when you went to, from Milwaukee to, to uh, Australia, like how many hours elapsed from when you left for the airport to when you were actually back at your house? Like that had to be over like a day and a half or something like that. Like what, what was, what was the total time? Yeah, I think it was like 36, 37 hours. And uh, yeah. I actually got to, I mean, yeah, you're right, first of all. The, the thought of, of even trying to attempt that with a, a young child seems just brutal. But I uh, normally, the normal flight path would be through uh, LA for me to get to Melbourne. So, I mean, that's just the, the easiest way to get to Melbourne, the easiest flight. And that's about 15 hours um but because of the nature of me booking this travel and how last second it was i mean i was literally booking this international flight like 12 hours before i wanted to leave um and uh i actually wanted to try and avoid there was no flights out of la so i wanted to try and avoid going to sfo because you know i mean at the time when you were talking about hotspots for everything that was going on i was like yeah i'm gonna avoid sfo if i can so i actually threw uh flew through houston and uh, I've never done that flight before. And it wasn't Houston to Melbourne, but it was Houston to Sydney. And I, I didn't even really think in my head how long this flight was going to be. So I sat down on the plane, whatever. I was getting myself sorted. And then uh, they announced over the, the, the PA that the flight time was 18 hours and 15 minutes. And I just was, uh, I was like, what? 18, 18 hours and 15 minutes on this thing? I, I didn't even think about that i was just expecting it was going to be the usual 15 which was obviously a ridiculous thought to have but that was a long one let me tell you i think that has to be one of the close to one of the the longest flights you can take but uh thankfully made it not a not a selling point for uh for for making a trip to australia having to be on an, on a plane for for 15 hours slash having to travel for you know 36 hours so uh yeah Maybe maybe many years from now, Kane will revisit this topic, and uh, we'll have to you know we'll 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 meet again on the other side of the world. But um, I think for now, the odds are much higher that we will see each other in in Wisconsin than in Australia. But uh, anyway, what what's our next question? So we've pretty much come to the end. There actually is uh, two questions. There's there's one from Brian Kurth and uh, another one from Fia. Rob Deer, and they both sort of tied together the same thing. And I almost feel like this is going to be a podcast on its own. It's talking about the 2001 Bucks, the current Bucks. Is this Bucks team the best team of all time? So I, I feel like I'm going to, we are going to get to this, whether it's next week maybe, but I, I, I'm going to hold off on that because otherwise we're going to be here forever. But I do, I know you had an email question, and I, I do want to get to this one. You were telling me about this before we started recording, and uh, it, it sounds really interesting. First of all, uh, the, the podcast that you're going to bring up, but also the question. Yeah, so Mike Mountain, who um, I think he's originally from Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, uh, and uh, he and his uh, family, uh, Mike, Mike has emailed uh, us a few times, so he's been a regular to, to the mailbag. Um, 
Mike and his son. So his son is 19. He's autistic, but he's a huge sports fan. Uh, and last year, Mike and his son started a podcast. They've now done over 130 podcasts. And I was like, listen to some of them. I mean, they do a really good job. Like they, they don't just do basketball. So I was actually listening to one uh, last week on, uh, on the NFL and actually, you know, which is good because I actually learned something. But um, Mike does a great job. Uh, his son is super knowledgeable um, about sports. Uh, so shout out to Mike. Um, the website is brythesportsguy.com, uh, B-R-I, the sportsguy.com. Just shout out to, to Mike and his son, Brian. Um, and I think it's, just, again, it's kind of a cool thing. I think, you know, again, we're probably good examples. Like we're not, you know, traditional media types by any stretch, but we wanted to talk about sports. We wanted to write about sports. Uh, and we've both taken kind of, you know, our own circuitous random paths, um, yours covering far more, uh, you know, literal mileage than, than my path, but, um, to kind of being here and, you know, talking about the bucks. And so it's always cool to kind of hear other, um, you know, find whether it's podcasting, whether it's writing, whatever, use that as a, uh, as a way to kind of, you know, have an outlet for, for sports and kind of what they care about. And obviously, um, you know, Mike and his son, Brian, using it as a way to, you know, uh, be father and son and kind of, you know, build, build on their relationship together that way. So shout out to them. And Mike's question. Um, so he and his son, they were planning to, I think they live in Florida. They were planning to uh, travel to Wisconsin for a game in April. Um, obviously not happening at this point. Who knows when uh, their game will ever be played. Cross my fingers on that. But uh, Mike asked for recommendations on food. He specifically asked for food inside Pfizer form. Um, I don't know if you have any strong opinions on that since pretty much always a media person. So maybe I don't know if you've heard things. I've, I've only, I don't, I don't usually do a lot of eating inside arenas. So I probably don't have good answers. But I will say this to our listeners, um, at us on Twitter, at Lockdown Bucks, um, give us some recommendations of what you guys, uh, of what you guys like. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of curious also just selfishly for my own benefit the next time I'm at, at Pfizer. Um, but, uh, that said, uh, you probably can't have some ideas of, of places around Pfizer form. Cause you know, you can't survive on your, uh, media room lunches and dinners, uh, entirely. So do you have any recs for places, uh, around, uh, Pfizer form as far as, uh, food places, like things to do places to see? Yeah, so the only thing I will say with inside the arena, and as you said, I mean, the, the listeners are going to know probably more than I will, but because I, I think I've only been to one game uh, where I wasn't credentialed as a fan of Fiserv, but uh, the interesting thing was during the, the playoffs last year, we actually got uh, food vouchers to go to the different uh, vendors around the arena because the, the media room where we would normally have a media meal was being used to cater for the hundreds of media that was in town for the game in the arena for the game that aren't usually there. So I tried some things and um, I, we had, what did, what did we have? We had laughing tacos. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Gold rush chicken. I know is a local favorite. That was very good, but I had to stop myself from eating that every home game because um, it was probably not great for me. And then the third thing we had, we had Dan Dan noodles. They were pretty good as well. I've actually been, to that restaurant in Milwaukee before and I, it was better in restaurant than it was in the arena. I don't think that that's a, a huge shock, but it was still pretty good. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know 
what uh, other people's favourites are in there because just before the season was suspended, we were talking about that, getting to try uh, the different spots here around the arena because it's fun. We don't often get to just walk around and see all the good stuff they've got going on, going on in there. But as far as outside the arena, I'm trying to think what uh, where I would eat. Uh, I mean, I don't often eat outside the arena or in the, the Deer District, I suppose, too often. I mean, I've definitely been to the Mecca a, a couple of times for different functions or events, and, and the food there is good. I mean, it's basically just, just pub food, but it's um, obviously a pretty cool venue, particularly if you were there and, and watching sports as well, whether it's a, maybe a Bucks Road game or something like that. That's always fun. Uh, there is also a place, and I this is this is bad on my behalf, but uh, I'm sure someone will be able to tell me what this is. But it's at the the back. It's about one block up from the the back end of, of Fiserv Forum. It's Milwaukee Brewing, but there is also a restaurant there, Glass and Griddle. It is a Glass and Griddle. It's called. Um, so that's definitely walking distance to Fiserv Forum. You can get um, sandwiches there, burgers there. It's really really good. I've been there multiple times, uh, and then. You know, the, the most of the stuff around on on Third Street there is mostly um, your general pub food. I'm not sure whether uh, he would be looking to take his son to to those type of um, venues, but there's plenty around. I mean, I know there's what what are the what are the famous spots, Frank? There's the pizza place uh, that people always go to, or pasta place that's across the road from the old Bradley Center on the corner there that is is pretty popular. The pizza and possibly, well, I'm trying to think what people here's by the way, here, here's, here's insight. So growing up, my, like we never ate around, I would always be going to games with my dad and we would, you know, literally drive from the suburbs park, um, up on four street away, like up the hill by the old Lapin electric sign. Cause you could park there for free. And then we'd walk like a half mile <laughs> to the arena. <laughs> so we wouldn't have to pay for parking. Yeah. Um, so we never really, um, Calderon Club, really, we, Calderon Club, okay, yeah. I mean, and I've definitely heard of Calderon Club. Um, but we never really ate around there. And then when I would eat with people, like, the in the last, like, five, ten years, when I would go back and meet people, you know, like um, Eric or, you know, Jeremy Schmidt, Alex Boder, um, you know, Gabe Stoltz, Eric Benning, all of, like, our kind of people that, are, you know, from the sort of blog, blogosphere, um, we would generally just go to Major Goolsby's just because that was, like, yeah. kind of obvious and close. and you know, totally adequate bar food. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I generally am kind of probably lacking. I think we went to the broad house once. Um, this is pre pre Spicer, uh, which is kind of on the, you know, it's like maybe it was a couple blocks from the Bradley center. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, you know, um, alas, a guy in Texas and a guy in Australia, um, at this <laughs> point are, are, are lacking in terms of, uh, recommendations around there. Um, I, I think the one, the one, uh, place that I've had in, in Pfizer forum, um, but especially place was gold rush chicken. Uh, and I felt kind of like I had to, because, um, you know, there's a whole crew of, uh, of Bucks, Twitter, um, Andy Gorzalski, uh, Jimmy, yeah. FK, like <laughs> guys that are massive gold rush chicken loyalists. Um, and then when they got the, uh, the concession stand, um, I felt like, Oh, I got to try this. Cause I've never had from the actual restaurant, but, and it was good. But I think when, I think initially they only had like tenders, and I think what I, when I asked them about it, I think they said, uh, well, you know, it's, it's more, you really should get the regular fried chicken when you go there. And I think initially, uh, there was like a, I think it was like a rule that like the vendors couldn't sell like 
bone-in chicken or something like that. Um, like it, that's why it was tenders. It was like a five serve thing. Um, but I think they may now actually have the regular fried chicken. So, um, again, people can fact check us. This is where, uh, you know, our, uh, uh, our knowledge, uh, in this mailbag is probably falling woefully short, but, uh, yeah, let us know what's good in, uh, at Pfizer forum. And obviously if there's places outside, uh, in the, in the vicinity there that, that are also worth checking out, uh, hit us up and we'll, we'll give some recommendations on, uh, on the next podcast, but in any way, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, Mike and his son will actually be able to see a game uh, not so far in the future because hopefully we actually do have uh, basketball games attended by fans. But um, let's just say we'll probably have a lot of time to to plan our, uh, you know, to plan uh, uh, where where, where you're going to go and what you're going to do. It's going to be a while. Yeah. So after you listen to this podcast, obviously, uh, check out Mike's podcast. I'm going to do that tonight. I, I wasn't aware of that one. Um, so I, I'm excited to listen to it. Uh, Frank's obviously said good things about that, and it's always cool, as you said, to see people that are uh, diving into doing that sort of sort of thing as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, as I said, uh, really only two questions left, and and that's almost uh, an entire Nulla topic uh, to itself. So after a couple of weeks here, it looks like we've finally got through the mailbag. We are going to be back on Monday. Over the weekend, if you listened to this one and you enjoyed this, uh, we did have a couple of guests that uh, break things up from the usual brilliance of my co-host Frank Madden. We had Brian Anderson, uh, as everyone knows, play-by-play caller for the Brewers. He does NBA for TNT and really any other sport that you can think of. Brian was on the podcast. That was a really fun chat. Uh, And then we had Jim Paschke, a voice that everyone knows uh, and loves from Fox Broadcast now of 34 years. Jim spoke about uh, his journey right through uh, his broadcasting career and, and all things Bucks. It was a really fun chat. So go back and check out those two. And then over the weekend, if you want to check out another podcast on the network, the Locked On NBA National Podcast is always a good one to listen to. There is still plenty going on around the league right now. So if you want to catch up on that, you can listen to the Locked On NBA Podcast. But for now, we are going to be back next week on Monday. And uh, it's going to be 2001 week on the podcast. We're going to look back on that season uh, a little closer because I know it's it's memories for Bucks fans that are both very fond and and also uh, a little bit heartbreaking with the way that it finished. But we're going to go right through that. We've got some fun stuff planned for next week. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But outside of that, everyone stay safe, stay home if you can, look after each other, and we'll speak to you guys on Monday.